Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. morning this morning. Um, what have you bought on the honor system? Or what uh, service have you taken advantage of? And and then, you know, you didn't have you didn't have the means to pay for it. And they said, oh, that's all right. We know you're good for it. Come back. Uh, come back when you can. I recognize this is uh, the basis of the credit system. But I also recognize that most people who sell to us on credit do so um, by making money on us uh, when they charge us interest. These um, these places across the country that are simply operating on the honor system, including, you know, like paying for parking or hiking or biking at state parks, but all kinds of things that you guys have testified about uh, here on the text line this morning. And so let me just go ahead and say you can text me this morning. I would love for you to text me this morning, 877-933-2484, with, uh, you know, with your little testimony here about things that you have bought on the honor system so far. People have bought worms at a roadside uh, stand, eggs, pumpkins, uh, a Christmas tree lot that operated on the honor system this past year, fresh berries and apples in season. Uh, Adam Carrington was on, and he actually got his car repaired once, um, didn't have the cash to pay for it, and they said, that's all right, come back later when you when you can pay for it. Um, a loon-shaped planter that uh, that I have great that Katie has graciously sent me a picture of as well so you can text me pictures as well um, I'm pretty sure Stephen yes texted the picture of the bait shop that operates on the honor system in uh, and oh let's see I might oh no that was Chad Stephen um, filled us in on a creamery in Hudson Iowa that operates on the honor system. What's operating on the honor system where you are? Love that testimony this morning on the text line, 877-933-2484. Also, thank you, Evan, for circling back around and sending me the picture um, of the way that the water is heated under, um, you know, remember I'm. it got cold where I live and my chickens, their water froze. I don't live in a place where we have like a heated water device you guys have now fully informed me. I have so many options for heating the water in the chicken coop. And um, and also, Evan, thank you so much for the picture of your chickens in the coop. They look super happy. And if they lived at my house, they'd all be called Barbara. Because at my house, if you're a black and white chicken, it doesn't matter what breed you are. If you're black and white, you are a Barbara. And right now we have several Barbaras, um, including the original Barbara, um, whom, we, whom we love very, very much. All right, so we will um, circle back around and share more of those um, wonderful stories of things that you have bought on the honor system. Maybe you're selling something on the honor system. Love to hear about that as well. The number is 877-933-2484. All right, we have some Signs of the Times headlines out of New York City this morning. New York City health officials have announced a plan to install 10 public health vending machines. And you might say to yourself, how would a city um, vend public health. Well, 
they would vend public health by making drug paraphernalia, sterile syringes, anti-overdose medication, and other harm reduction supplies available through vending machines in uh, in neighborhoods where there's not only high crime but a large percentage of city uh, of the drug overdoses that are happening in the city. That is an interesting sign of the times. Here's another interesting sign of the times from New York City. Um, New York City is extending the right to vote to some 800,000 people who are not actually citizens of the United States. And yes, the law is facing court challenges, but um, but starting in 2023, they're going to have to print separate ballots for city races uh, for non-citizens because they're barred from voting in statewide and presidential elections, which, of course, yes, you see um, that that is a conversation about citizenship. It's a good topic for us as Christians. Citizenship means something. Citizenship matters. Um, for those of us who are Christians, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, right? What does that look like? Citizen Citizenship has its criteria. What does that mean? I think the Apostle Paul is a good study for us here in the new year. Um, Paul has unique standing as both a Jew and a Roman citizen. That's what allowed him to travel so freely and to have access to Roman courts in ways that others did not. So give stu- give a, a little study this year to the Apostle Paul in preparation for upcoming conversations we need to have about citizenship. All right. Um, does the new mayor of New York need special protection because he's black? We're going to ask that of Elizabeth Newman in just a moment. This is a conversation about, well, the status of security here in the United States of America and white supremacy. Yep, that's up again. We'll be right back. Elizabeth Newman is um, a super smarty pants who also has her finger on the pulse of what is happening in the United States of America and around the world in relationship to national security. She's a national security expert. She works with an organization called Moonshot. She formerly served um, at the highest levels here in homeland security in the United States, and she is on the National Immigration Forum. Elizabeth, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. So have you ever pulled over to the side of the road and bought something on the honor system? If so, what? Gosh, I was so fascinated by that. I, I don't think I have. Um, certainly my children have accidentally bought things on the honor system. And <laughs> they didn't realize they were supposed to pay for things. And you get in the car and you're like, hey, where did that come from? Oh, it was just there by the cash register. I'm like, you have to pay for that. <laughs> And then we go back and we pay for it, right? But okay, oh. so that's 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 classic. We uh, we hadn't had that covered yet. I do have a testimony here about um, a, a, a like a family member. So I like this. I like this testimony, and I want to be thankful, Lonnie. Thank you for the story. Lonnie says my wife and daughter purchased a puppy. They didn't have any cash. They didn't have a checkbook, and so um, but they let us bring the puppy home and said, "Well, just send us a check when you get a chance." Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I know. And I, by the way, the puppy is adorable. Uh, I know. It, it, I know. It's, it's, it's radio, so everybody can't see it, but it's super cute. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> okay. I need, I need for you to help us um, not only understand what is going on in Kazakhstan, but in yeah. relationship to this conversation, 
I um, I read these terms, Collective Security Treaty Organization, CSTO, and it sounded like a Russian version of NATO, and I didn't know such a thing existed, or, or the Russian version of, uh, of the UN. Um, and so can you tell me what the CSTO is and what it has to do with Kazakhstan? Yeah, so there is a collective security agreement, that's what it stands for, the Collective Security Treaty Organization, that uh, has six members, Russia, Armenia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Tajikistan. They uh, got together in 1992, so after the USSR formed, uh, or fell, they formed, and and basically are you know able to ask for assistance in uh, if if the security need arises. Some people compare this to um, a post. Soviet Union Warsaw Pact, um, though there are some strong distinctions from what the Warsaw Pact was versus this. Um, NATO does not have a formal relationship or engagement with them. They try to not really recognize them as as having uh, validity because they they are less about protecting from external threats and more about preserving their authoritarian regimes. So mm. what you see in this particular use of them is that the, the Kazakhstan president called up the, the CSTO and said, hey, can you come help me with these protesters? And they sent 2,300 troops. It's actually the first deployment since 1999. There have been other times when a member state has asked for them to come and help them with something and they've been denied. But for some reason, uh, they said yes to this one, probably because the reality is that if those six states that I mentioned, Russia is the one that's the big one, right? They they weigh, they leverage the most power. And um, it seems like Putin decided this was important to, to squash. Um, I think there's a little bit of concern by Russia and some of the other member states that those types of protests might spread to their countries. And so they wanted to show some force and and squash this pretty quickly. Um, the origins behind the protests are a little complex. It's uh, largely reported that it's because of a spike in gas prices, which I'm sure is, is partially true. Um, but there's also a power struggle going on. The current president has been in office for about three or four years. He replaced um, a, a guy that, be, that was in charge for um, 30 years after the fall of the Soviet Union. So he was effectively a dictator and they didn't get rid of this 30 year dictator. They just moved him to another part of the government. And uh, so there's a power struggle between the current president and the former president. So that's part of what's going on here. And then there's also this um, uh, issue of you have members, uh, you know, this, the citizens of Kazakhstan who seem to be pushing back against this authoritarian structure. And you're, you're hearing reports of uh, calls for you know, reform to their government to, to move past this 30 years of dictatorship and move to something uh, more like a democratic republic. Of course, if you're Putin, you don't want that to happen. <laughs> you want to maintain power and you want the states around you uh, to be like-minded in that authoritarian approach to government. So, um, and unfortunately, it looks like there are a number of people that have died, um, a lot, thousands arrested. Um, it's hard actually to get good information out because they shut down the internet. So uh, reports are still coming in on how many have, have died. 
All right, we're talking with Elizabeth Newman. Um, she understands what's happening, not just here in the United States, in terms of the threats that um, that affect us, um, but she understands what's happening around the world. And so she's bringing into focus Kazakhstan, which is a country that you might have had to look up on on a map or on the globe or Google it to uh, to see exactly where it is. Uh, it is an oil-rich country, and it is strategically important. And obviously, people matter. And so. We raise the concern related to what's going on in other parts of the world because precious people live there uh, and we have a concern for them as the people of God. So we're going to take a very brief pause and we come back. We're going to talk about, um, again, sticking with Russia. We're going to talk about what is going on in Ukraine and on the border um, and the U.S. bilateral talks this week that are planned. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It's like the All right. Again, um, thank you for your testimonies uh, on the text line, 877-933-2484. Somebody got a Fitbit at Christmas on the honor system. <laughs> now we're talking about, you know, something a little bit more than a dozen eggs or, uh, um, uh, you know, a loon-shaped um, homemade planter, uh, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, we also have a friend here sharing that... Uh, there's a business near his childhood home that sells uh, homemade maple syrup on the honor system. Not only can you pay for it with cash, but, you know, you can get change if necessary. I feel like uh, exact change is kind of important. Or just leave a little extra. All right, a Christian chiropractor uh, providing care on a pay-me-what-you-think-is-right basis. Well, there you go. That's that's pretty amazing. All right, all kinds of things. Uh, I almost forgot. Uh, we buy firewood along the roadside uh, when we go camping and we just place money in a drop box. This person says, okay, I'll stop now. That's because maybe they have shared a number of things this morning that they have bought on the honor system. What have you bought on the honor system? Let me know, 877-933-2484. Elizabeth Newman is a wife. She's a mom. She's the chief strategy officer for the Moonshot Team, national security contributor to ABC and other networks, and, well, I think national security advisor here to the Mornings with Carmen broadcast. There you go. Um, what is going on in the Ukraine, Elizabeth? Uh, how have things there developed? And um, and what do we need to know about this week's talks between the United States and Russia? Yeah, you know, uh, we've talked about Ukraine several times over the last few months. Um, the Russia buildup on the border of Ukraine uh, is still there. Um, there was a period right in the middle of Christmas that a number of security experts were really concerned that maybe Putin would try something during the holidays. Thankfully, that did not manifest. Um, but there is something different about this buildup compared to what we've seen in past years. And um, most believe that, that Putin is going to probably try to go for it and invade. Um, so there is a summit happening this week. Uh, you know, it's the typical diplomatic talk is happening of, oh, this was a, a pre-planned uh, conversation, um, but it, clearly a lot of the focus is on Ukraine. Um, some of our European partners are a little frustrated with us. They feel like if we're going to be talking about Ukraine, talking about the role of NATO, which is clearly on Russia's, um, from Russia's perspective, what this is all about. Uh, they want to be at the table, um, but these are bilateral talks, just Russia and the U.S. So, so it's been kind of a, a bit of a um, uh, lots of different voices um, talking about 
uh, being frustrated not for not being at this table. So I, I don't know that too many of us um, think that anything uh, positive is going to come out of this, um, but that certainly the United States has been working with our allies to come up with a series of consequences should Russia decide to invade um, Ukraine. And um, everything we've seen so far has come right short of any sort of military intervention. So the types of consequences that are rumored are things like uh, we will shut down their ability to make international banking transactions. Now, that's that would really hurt uh, the oligarchs, the, the really wealthy people of Russia that kind of run the country. Um, it would severely hurt Putin's ability to um, uh, maintain his power. So I'm, I, my guess is uh, this conversation happening right now, they're, they just took a break for lunch and have reconvened, so they're having the dialogue right now. Uh, my guess is that it's a bit of, um, you know, we want to understand your concerns, Russia, but no, we're not um, making compromises here. You don't get to invade another country um, that we're not going backwards towards the way that the world worked 200, 400 years ago. They are a sovereign nation. They have boundaries. You may not invade them, and there will be consequences if you do that. Um, whether that works, we shall see. Um, there are, uh, you know, some that will say you should never underestimate Putin. He's a brilliant um, strategist. There are others that that wonder if he realizes that his chances for achieving anything are kind of waning. Uh, Russia's economic situation, um, their military power, uh, it is on the decline. And he has a, you know, he's struggling with uh, COVID effects like all people in the globe are. It's affecting the economy. Um, it's affecting his people. Uh, so this may be kind of a, um, in his mind, the, the last best opportunity to try to rebuild the Soviet Union that he remembers of his uh, youth, if you will. And, and perhaps he's just not realizing the folly of, of trying to do something like that. So um, you're, it's not quite clear what kind of player we're dealing with. Is he rational or is he um, caught up in his own grandeur and therefore not going to make smart decisions that um, uh, I think we're all trying to, at least on the West, we're looking for a path that pre uh, prevents a, um, a large scale uh, conflict uh, like we had, you know, the last time we had something uh, of that size would be 80 years ago in World War II. Um, but that's yeah. the way that he is acting um, is is not consistent with the norms that have been established in a post-World War II world. All right. You're you're making me wonder whether or not there is a general patent out there, um, because I I have to say, like, when I think about the delusion that comes as people age and they think back to what they perceive to be the good old days and when they have a waning access to the kinds of resources that would restore that, but that's what they desperately want, um, I think they stop at nothing. And so, I don't know, That's I don't want to scare anybody, but um, yeah, and I'm not a security expert, but uh, there you go. I that's <clears throat> That's of concern. All right. Um, I wish that we had time today to talk about the domestic terrorism trends that you see here in the United States of America, particularly um, this increase that you're noting 
among youth, young people involved in uh, violent white nationalist groups and meeting not only online, but increasingly in person. I'm wondering if the next time we talk, we could specifically talk to parents about um, learning to recognize the signs of radicalization uh, and so that we can intervene before it gets to the point where, you know, our kid is one of the Zernayev brothers uh, and, and, you know, setting off bombs in Boston at a marathon. Like, right, can you help us, the next time we get together, equip parents to recognize the signs because it's an increasingly uh, popular trend? It is, and I would love to have that conversation, Carmen. I think there's some really simple things that parents can equip them with, themselves with to help uh, protect their children and get their children help if they need it. All right, Elizabeth, thank you so much um, for your contribution to the conversation today. Uh, and we, we just look forward to the next time that we get to talk, because I think that equipping parents on this front and youth, youth pastors and others, right? If you have uh, engagement with young people, like we want you to be on the forefront of paying attention to this. Coaches, teachers, youth pastors, everybody in relationship to the next generation. Elizabeth Newman, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Carmen. Have a great, happy new year. Thank you. You too. All right. Does anybody out there know the guy that uh, or did you know the guy that owned the bait shop in Deer River, Minnesota? His name was George. Apparently, George um, ran the bait shop until one day he was out on a walk and um, and died. And the store still stands. It's empty. But the sign out front still reads, Jesus is the way. There's testimonies online about George. Um, who say, hey, not only was George always willing to talk, but if you talked to him long enough, he would help you see the light, desiring that you would change your wicked ways and follow Jesus. Uh, Another testimony online says, "Um, I don't know if that guy ever caught any actual fish, but he sure did spend all his time fishing for men. I don't know about you. That's a pretty awesome testimony. Um, uh, So thank you to Paul for um, alerting me to George in Deer River, Minnesota, and the Honor System Nightcrawler and uh, Leech's Refrigerator. Now it's kind of gross, but there you go. Apparently good for catching fish. <clears throat> what kind of bait are you using to be a fisher of men today? We're going um, to talk about the Bible being more than a story. And let me ask you, is the Bible more than a story? Like it, When you think about the Bible, if somebody were to say, ah, that's just a bunch of myths, bunch of fairy tales, bunch of nonsense. Is it? Is it more than a story? Are we teaching our kids that the Bible is more than a story? We're going to talk with Sally Michael next. The book is more than a story. It's actually two books, one on the Old Testament and one on the New Testament. It's an incredible new kind of Bible resource for teaching children the faith. We'll be right back. This is Max Locato. You think the moon affects the tides? It does, but Christ runs the moon. You think the United States is a superpower? The United States has only the power Christ gives and nothing more. He has authority over everything, and he has had it forever. Yet Jesus was willing to forego the privileges of divinity and enter humanity. He was born just as all babies are born. As an adult, he was weary enough to sit down at a well and sleepy enough to doze off in a rocking boat. He became hungry in the wilderness and thirsty on the cross. The Word became flesh. 
If you ever wonder if God understands you, he does. Our high priest, Jesus, is able to understand our weaknesses. If you ever wonder if the uncreated creator can comprehend the challenges you face, he does. This is Max Lucado. a story. This is uh, a resource for helping our children explore the message of the Bible. The author is Sally Michael. Sally, welcome again to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. So the Old Testament version of this has been out for um, a, a little while. The New Testament version I'm holding in my hand right now, it's beautiful. Tell people, introduce people to this as a resource, and then we're going to dig into it. Okay, well, it's a two-volume resource, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, it's a collection of key Bible stories written in an engaging manner, but it's really more a comprehensive overview covering the breadth and depth of the Bible's message. So I'm just trying to attempt to fill in those gaps, giving children, uh, between Bible stories, giving children a solid foundation of the manifold character of God. Yeah, it's more than just um, uh, like the set of stories that I feel like are are just constantly repeated. Um, you know, we just, I, I don't know, I think we minimize children's ability to uh, comprehend or their interest level in the breadth and depth and scope of the scriptures. And so I, I really want to highlight how comprehensive this is. It's certainly engaging, but it's challenging what I would describe as childish thinking, because you've really written it in a way to lead people um, to the book and to the author. Talk about that. Yeah, well, that was my intent. My intent was to give children a, 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 the breadth and depth of the Bible so they could see the manifold character of God, but also that they would see the plot line of the Bible, the key doctrines in a child-friendly, engaging manner, I wanted to expose them to the wisdom of Proverbs, the comfort of the Psalms, the warnings and promises of the prophets, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the whole, the whole full counsel of God, I think. So I tried to put in everything that was of importance, of supreme importance, but leave out nothing that would minimize the message of the gospel, the Bible. And I wanted so, to Sally- do it in a way that children could could dig into the Word and, and understand that they, they can actually read the words of the Bible. So there are many texts, actual texts within the, text, the, the my text, Bible texts within my words. Right, yeah. So it's it. there are huge portions of Scripture in here, um, and I love that. I also really, like, really appreciated that it's chronological, and I think mm-hmm. that is helpful. I think that sometimes we approach the Scriptures and we don't, you know, we don't even quite as adults know where to start or what order to read it in, and certainly if we're trying to help our children understand. So you have put it in a chronological order for us. It is God-centered, it's gospel-focused, um, and it's theological. Like, you're not shy in, in more than a story. Um, you're not shy about sin, no, I'm not. And I think it's because you need to understand the bad news before you can really appreciate the good news. Mm. <clears throat> over and over in the Old Testament, you see, because it is chronological, you see God's people continually turning away from them. But you also see 
the mercy of God, and we've seen in his people back time and time again. I had one little boy who read the Old Testament, and his comment was, when his dad asked him what he learned, he said, sin is great, but grace is greater. Mm. And that's a message I would love for children to get from reading this. Sin sin is great. I mean, for a kid to be able to acknowledge, I mean, we all know that the world is broken, and we know that we're broken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids know it. I mean, kids know it about us. And so Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate, Sally, one of the things that you do is equip me as a parent and as a grandparent. You equip me to be able to sit down with a child, even if I don't know a particular story. Um, and walk through it with them in a way that's age appropriate, um, but also goes further than I would be able to go on my own. Like you, you're teaching the the parent and the grandparent in addition to helping us open up a dialogue with our children and grandchildren. Well, I've heard that many times. I've heard many adults say, "I'm learning as much as my children are." And, and I think that's a good mark of a good children's book is that children can enjoy it, but parents can also. Uh, learn along with their children, so it's a shared experience. And parents' faith is deepened while children uh, are learning fresh, new truths. And um, I just think that's a great experience together. We're talking with Sally Michael. We're talking about uh, the Old and the New Testament More Than a Story series. It's a two-book series exploring the message of the Bible with children. It is chronological. It's beautifully illustrated um, it's it's serious in content. Uh, and, and Sally, um, maybe when we uh, come back from a very brief break, you can just talk with us again and share your passion as a teacher, because I've heard you um, do this in another environment, like w- what you really want kids to grasp, um, not only about the storyline of the Bible, but the author behind it. Do you think we could talk we could talk more about that? I think so. All right. So it is more than a story. And it's um and it's more than just a regular book. We're going to continue our conversation about the Bible, more than a story, exploring the message of the Bible with children with Sally Michael. We'll be right back. We're talking with Sally Michael. Sally is a teacher of the Bible, and therefore she's also an author of books like the one we're discussing today, More Than a Story, Exploring the Message of the Bible with Children. Um, Sally, I've heard you say that you are, um, you are an author because you are a teacher, and sometimes we need materials through which uh, we can teach. And so More Than a Story um, is evidence of that. Talk with us about the title of the book, More Than a Story, and um, and really who you're trying to introduce children to through a study of Scripture. Yeah, uh, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, I think this, this, the story title and the book title is purposeful, very purposeful, because children are exposed to Bible stories over and over again. <clears throat> but I am a firm believer that children need a solid foundation of truth in order to develop a strong faith in God. And while the Bible is full of, of exciting stories, we must not lose sight of the fact that it's also the authoritative, clear, necessary, sufficient Word of God. So my job as a teacher, I see, is to introduce them to the full counsel of God. I, I've noted that it's not unusual from children 
in, from Christian homes to know some Bible stories, but not be able to link them together. They seem to have head knowledge without heart knowledge. And I think one of the most frightening verses in the Bible for me is Romans one twenty one. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they came, became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. That's a scary verse for me. And I'm at heart a teacher, not a writer. Writer's just a way to expand my teaching. So when I'm writing to children, I'm intent on teaching them solid, life-giving truth. I want to teach them a logical scope and sequence, present accurate information, to ask the hard questions, hard questions that children need to have answered, to teach children to think and draw conclusions, to see themes and patterns in Scripture, and to be able to accurately interpret the text. But I also think that good teaching is not just dumping information into a child's head. It's, it's in, engaging the children so that they wrestle with hard truths and the glorious truths in order to engage their hearts. And so I think the prayer of every good Bible teacher is that the will of the child is influenced to trust in God. So that's my aim in writing is that I don't want to just inform the head, but I want to engage that heart and then give the children some application to, to, um, to follow through on. Talk with us about why you um, perceive this to be a particularly important point in history for our children as believers to know and understand and be able to study the Bible for themselves. Well, I think we and all parents and grandparents can acknowledge that this world is not the same world that we grew up in. Sin is very blatant. Uh, Truth is being um, challenged every single day. Untruth is is rampant in our environment. And in order to fight untruth, you have to know the truth. And so children, they need to know what the Word of God says so they can combat the lies that are being taught to them in this world. And um, I, I think they need to have a solid faith. They need to be stronger in their faith than we were at their age. They need to um, really be able to stand on the Word of God, and they need to know God personally because they need the help of the Holy Spirit to live um, fulfilling and and godly lives. Amen. Amen. Um, I, and I think that as parents and grandparents, we often feel ill-equipped. Um, like, how do I strengthen a person beyond uh, beyond the strength that I have? And so the reliance of parents and grandparents on the Holy Spirit, our own study of Scripture, um, but then also, you know, are recognizing that we need resources like this to help us uh, do things that we cannot otherwise do. And so these resources are incredibly valuable, uh, more than a story exploring the message of the Bible with children Sally, I note that when you open up um, the New Testament um, version of More Than a Story, it begins with chapter 91. That's kind of an unusual experience for people. It is, and that's because the story, the Bible is one story. It's one interconnected story. It's not not a story here, a story there. It has a plot line. It has a theme. It has a plan of redemption from the beginning of time until the end of time. And so I wanted them to see that there was a connection. And you'll notice between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's actually a chapter on the intertestamental period. And that's because children end the Old Testament um, 
in a, in a very Jewish world. You know, they've been in the they've been in captivity in Babylon. They've returned to to um, Israel, and then all of a sudden, you're talking about the Romans. Well, what happened in between there? What happened in between there was a fulfillment of the dream that Daniel um, interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar. And they need to see that what God has said and what God has prophesied and promised actually comes true. And I just think um, I, I want them to see that this is one, that the, the, the God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament, and that his providence is true, that his faithfulness to his people, the pervasiveness of sin, the effects of the fall, the reality of the future glory are truths that we're going to hold fast because we've seen them all the way through this book, or the book, as I would hope to push them towards. To know that God is sovereign, he is good, to know that his promises are yes and amen in Jesus, they're going to see that as they see history unfold, biblical history unfold from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Yeah, I look at um, chapter 94, Worthy of Worship. We just... um, celebrated Epiphany and the arrival of the wise men to worship the one who is the king of the Jews. Um, And so um, when I look at the way that you've connected Matthew 2-2 with helping children understand what was going on in the day and time uh, in which Jesus was born, and you lift up not only Matthew 2-2, but you, you you take them through the rest of that story and back to Jeremiah 31 um, and into John chapter 1, like this is the way when we talk about Scripture informing our understanding of Scripture or, you know, using multiple passages in conversation to understand what's going on. This is one of the ways that you are teaching how to study the Bible um, through more than a story. I also really appreciate um, the resource that you include in every lesson, and that is the section that you may believe, where you're really challenging the adult who is who is reading this with the child, you're really challenging us to think deeply and to ask questions that allow children to explore questions for themselves. Talk, talk about the importance of that, allowing children to arrive at something versus our just telling them something. You know, if you just tell something to a child, it, it, they don't own it. You know, they have information in their heads. But you want children to wrestle with truth, to think about what they've read, to wonder about it, to examine how it can apply to their own lives. And I I think it's good for children to feel uncomfortable and to wrestle and to work things through in their minds and for the Holy Spirit to just kind of bore that truth into their hearts. And I think you do that when you ask the hard questions. And I don't mean just hard, difficult. I mean, meaning emotionally difficult. I mean, just thinking. I want to, cha- you know, I want, I don't want, I want active minds when I'm teaching. I'm not, teaching is not about active bodies doing things. Yes, that does happen in teaching, but you really want active minds that are asking questions, answering questions, thinking things through, making connections, and then saying, what does this mean for you? And I want them to be able to answer the question is, what should I think? What should I be and what should I do because of what I've read? And so that at the end, you'll notice in the Old Testament, it's called um, that application box is called making you wise for salvation. So it's building the knowledge for them to understand the whole message of salvation. And then the New Testament, that application box is called that you may believe. 
And, mm. and that's what that application is doing. It's trying to push children toward embracing the truth in their own hearts and owning it for themselves. Yeah, and if you want the most pro-life illustration I've ever seen, uh, just look at page 19 of More Than a Story, exploring the message of the Bible with children, the New Testament, uh, uh, but also the Old Testament. It is a two-volume study. You can find it at truth78.org. The author is Sally Michael. Sally, um, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for this incredible resource for teaching the Bible to children. And thank you for your enthusiasm, and may it spread. Well, and we love your heart. We love your heart. We'll be right back. All right. Love you, love you. Have a great day. God bless. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.